Well, good morning, Church of 1122. How are we this morning? You good? Awesome. Good. Glad you're here. Looks like you brought a date. That's a good idea. If you got your Bibles, um, grab one, turn to the middle of the Bible-ish, and we're going to be in Song of Solomon. We are in week three of a 10-week series uh, in this book in the Bible about your love life. Before we go any further there, happy Mother's Day. If you are a mom, would you just please stand up right where you are? If you are a mom, would you please stand? Let's all give the mamas a hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen up, mamas. The kingdom of God is built on the prayers of faithful mamas. Amen. Every single one of us that know Jesus is because a mama or a grandmama prayed for us. So thank you. Your husbands or sons or daughters or somebody's going to take you wherever you want to go for lunch and dinner and breakfast tomorrow. All right. So because you deserve it because you deserve it. Um, Also, I just want to say this. I know for some of you ladies, today is not the easiest day in your world. And I just want to point out just a little theology before we get going. Um, When God created the first man and the first woman, he named the first man Adam, which means of the dirt. That's what he means, all right? Not that great of a name, but it just is what it is. And then he named Eve. Eve means mother. And Eve hadn't had, she didn't have any kids when she got the name mom, okay? And so, if you love God, if you have a relationship with the Lord, then you are called to be a mom, whether you've given birth or not. And so we at the Church of 1122... If you love Jesus, we need you to be a mom to help us raise all the kids of the Church of 1122. You saw last week, we dedicated at this service, I think, 16 kids or something like that. It takes more than a village to raise a kid, because you don't want our villages raising our kids, right? You'll get the village idiot. So it takes a church, and so we need you to be plugged into our church, and, and, and maybe your world isn't exactly where you thought it would be or was hoping or praying it would be. Just know this, that... Um, God has a purpose for you, a plan for you. He is not surprised. He is sovereign. He is in control. I would consider. I would ask you to consider praying like crazy to be involved in our new gen ministries, and also um, maybe pray that that may, a part of God's story for you might be adoption. And we have an Operation Adoption Ministry right here, and um, there are a lot of mamas that are flexing their mom genes and mom muscles um, through adoption too. And and so if that's you then you are in the right place. We love you like crazy. Uh, I want to pray for the moms in the room, all the moms in the room. And so if you're sitting next to somebody and today might be a little difficult for them, you just reach out and grab their hand as we pray. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you because you first loved us. God, I thank you that you've never been surprised. Nothing's over your head. Nothing's out of your hands that you are in control. You are sovereign. And that God, you can use whatever situation we're in for your glory. And so... God, I thank you that Jesus came not just to save our souls, but to make all things new. And so, God, I pray for all the mamas in here. God, the ones that have given birth and the ones that have adopted and the ones that are helping us raise our kids. God, we thank you and we praise you and we, we proclaim the truth that the husband's the head of the house and Jesus is the head of the church, but the mamas are the backbone of both families, our individual families and our church family. And God, we give you the praise and we pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. All right, here we go. We're going to talk about dating today. And how good is our God that he would put some verses in the Bible to help us know how to date and who to date and when to date and all those kinds of things. And so um, this isn't so much like teenage dating. So if you're one of our students, just take good, good notes, uh, save it away and grab it in a few more years. All right. Uh, This is for people that are pursuing marriage. And this will also be for married people. Because I don't know if you realize this, married guys. But you weren't just supposed to pursue her and date her and then get her to say, I do, and then you didn't anymore. You were supposed to continuously cultivate this relationship through dating. So this is for you also. But 
A part of what I'm working against is, is the incredible current of our current um, culture, which teaches us some terrible things about dating. So there's a couple of things that I'm trying to do. I, I want to deconstruct our current culture of dating um, in our world, in this part of America. And, and one of the things that we have to deconstruct that I talk about often is this myth that you're looking for the one, one, one. And when you find the one, then everything's just going to be perfect, right? And, and you don't realize that you've got to work on building uh, relationship skills now because you think, if I meet the perfect person, then what's going to happen is they're going to be so perfect that I don't have to learn how to forgive or learn to be patient or learn to be kind or learn how to serve because they'll be so perfect, they will just draw those things out of me. And all the married people said, bull scubilon, right? <clears throat> because what, what you begin to think is, you think, well, if, when I fall in love, I'll fall in line. That's kind of what our world teaches. When I fall in love, I'll fall in line, which butts up against another principle that's just true. And you can't really break the principle. You can just break yourself against it. And it's what's called the path principle. The path principle. That you are on a path and it heads somewhere. And your destination is determined by the path that you were on. And so over and over and over and over, people ask me to speak into their life. And, and you think I, I have some kind of um, you know, spiritual gift of prophecy. But really, all it is, it's just the principle of the path. That I meet you and say, okay, tell me about your situation Okay, tell me about your past. All right, I know where you're going. And you're like, what? How did you know that? Like, well, okay, that's where you've been. Here's where you are. I can see your future. And some of you go, wow, Pastor Joby, you're so spiritual. No. If you get on 95 and you go north, I don't care how hard you pray, you will never, ever, ever end up in Miami. And so (laughs) you don't even have to know Jesus to figure that out. And a part of what you think is, when I fall in love, I'm going to fall in line. So I'm going to practice doing relationship and dating and marriage. I'm going to practice it this way. But then one day, I'm going to meet the one. And on a Saturday, me and her and Pastor Joby are going to stand in this altar. And I'm going to make a promise. And practice will always outperform the promise. And so if you've been practicing relationships one way, that path leads somewhere because on your wedding day, you are going to promise some stuff that you cannot even fulfill. And you're not even paying attention to your vows because you're so nervous and everybody's looking at you and Nana's there and all your boys are there when they're little tuxes and, and then your girl's there and she's in this beautiful white dress and she's got all her friends in these goofy looking egg colored, you know, like a, like a Easter egg. So they'll look goofy. So everybody will think she's awesome. I know what you do. <coughs> I do it every weekend. And so, and you make these promises and you don't even know what you're paying. You don't, you don't know what you're promising because you're just thinking about that night and can't wait to get there. And I understand. And so, but you think, you think, well, if I make a promise, regardless of how I practice, then I'll be able to live up to that. No, 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 no. No, you're putting yourself on a path that leads somewhere. And our current culture of dating is really all about me and selfishness. And so what I want to do is, is tear down this idea that when I fall in love, then I'll fall in line. And I want to hold up the Word of God, Song of Solomon, chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. And we're going to look at this guy in this text and this girl go out on a date. And I want to hold it up like a mirror. And for some of you, it will reflect some things that you were already doing. And I hope for you, it encourages you to keep doing what you're doing. Some of you don't even realize, some of you old guys, you don't even realize that you have been doing the things the scripture has been telling you to do. 
you're just a stud, and you just kind of did it naturally, right? Especially you old school guys, because y'all just, I think you guys had better instructions than we did. And then some of you are going to see this and go, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm doing this completely, completely wrong. So that's my hope today. If you're, if you're a married guy, I hope that I will inspire you to keep dating. And if you're a single guy, I hope I can instruct you on how to date in a way that honors God. So we're going to pick it up in verse 8. And what's happening here is the guy is coming to pick her up on a date. So Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping over the mountains and bounding over the hills. So he's going to show up, and he is about to take her out on a date. And notice this. He is excited about picking her up. He is skipping in a very manly way over the hills and to pick his girl up, all right? So... Single guys, you should be, like, dating is not just a part of the, you know, I guess you got to take her out on a date. No, no, no. If you're not excited to take her out, then there's a problem there in the relationship. Married men, you should continuously be excited about taking your wife out. This dude is excited. Now, one of the questions that I will get from the single guys at 1122 that are trying to do this thing right, they'll say, well, who do I ask out? How do I know who I'm supposed to ask out? Well, let me tell you this. In Psalm 34, 3, the Bible says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That verse reminds me of my wife. You know, my wife sometimes, not today, but sometimes she's one of our worship leaders up here. And so what I would encourage you to do, men, is this, is that, that you run the race that Christ has marked out for you. So that means, first and foremost, men, if you haven't surrendered your life to the Lordship of Christ, I don't know how to tell you to date because I don't know how to tell you to be a husband. Because the Bible's going to tell you to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So if you haven't given up your life for him, maybe you can't give your life up for her. You're going to be, the, you're just going to be selfish. And then ladies, the same thing. Because the Bible's going to say, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. And so if you haven't submitted yourself unto Christ, then I'm going to tell you, you're not going to know how to submit to that crackerjack that you're going to marry, okay? Because his leadership skills compared to the perfect leader, Jesus, it's going to be, there's a big gap there. So you run after Jesus, all right? You run the race that he has marked out for you. And then as you're running this race, you look to the left, you look to the right. And if you see a young stag or you see a little honey over there and she's running not just the same race but also the same pace, then you bound over the hills and you ask her out on a date. So that means you serve here in the church and you pursue Jesus and then you keep your head on a swivel, look to the right, look to the left. And when you see one, you go praise the Lord and you ask her out. Now, let me say something to the girls, all right? Especially you 25-year-old girls, and you had a great youth pastor. And when you were 13 years old at summer camp, you started praying for your husband and making the list. All right, let me talk to you about your list, all right? Your youth pastor was awesome. Your list is ridiculous, okay? <laughs> Here's why. <laughs> if Jesus himself incarnate in the body of Tim Tebow showed up on your doorstep and asked you out on a date, you go, well, I don't know if I, I don't know, all right? Listen. You've got to pay attention to who the Lord puts in front of you. When Boaz, king of Israel, when Boaz, um, God put in front of him this girl named Ruth. And I can guarantee you that Ruth, in the book of Ruth, that she would not have been on Boaz's list. Because she was a Moabite, that means that she came from a clan that was created out of incest. And she was a homeless widow. I'm pretty sure Boaz wasn't saying, dear Lord, please, hand, please send me a homeless widow that's going to be a day laborer in one of my fields for me to date and go out with. But that's who God put at the feet of Boaz. And so one of the things that you have to do is you ought to pay attention to who God puts in front of you. Which, by the way, how many single people are in here today? Raise your hand if you're single. Don't be nervous. Come on, raise them high. 
Raise them high. Keep them up long enough to look around, people. All right. You're welcome. Okay, so I feel like I've done my part. Now, <clears throat> so he asked her out, and he's excited about it. She speaks in verse 9. She says, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. That's Hebrew for young stud. So my, my, my man's like a stud. And behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. So not only is he stoked to come pick her up for the date, but she's also stoked to go out with him. If you've got to, like, grin and bear it to go out, fourth and long, you should probably punt. There's a major, major problem. <laughs> and then also notice, fellas, he is patient with her, right? No girl in the human history has ever been on time for a date. It's just in the Bible. That's why he's waiting there, because she's late. So what you do is you tell her the reservations are at 8, or tell her they're at 7, make the reservation at 8. It's not lying, it's biblical, okay? That's what it is. You just show up, and then you wait patiently. Verse 10, my beloved speaks to me. Here's what he's going to say to her. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Now, he is asking her out, and he's taking her out on a date. Now, notice that he speaks tenderly with her, and yet he still leads. So he doesn't abdicate his leadership, but he also is not aggressive. He's tough for and he's tender with. Most of the time, guys, we are tough with and tender for. We get that thing backwards. And so he is tender with her. He says, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away with me. And I've talked about this before, but he leads. Husbands, lead. That means plan a date. Your wife wants you to take the lead and plan a date. You know why? Because they see you lead all this other stuff. They see you lead at work. They see you lead in your hobbies. They see you entertain all of your clients, but you can't figure out where to take her. So knowing that you guys ha are, you know, really, really poor at this, we have made this very, very easy. If you'll open up your notes, you guys, you better think I'm the greatest pastor of all time for this, okay? <laughs> Men, if you open up your notes where it says final thought, under it, it says, check out coe22.com slash lovelife. If you go to that website, it's got all kind of information there. You can download a couple's Bible study to do together. You can download a single's Bible study to do, to do together. It's got the qualities that Christian men should be looking in, in for in women and vice versa. And then over on the right, <clears throat> it's got dating ideas. Listen, men, it's got dating ideas. If you'll just click one of those, you'll get like six or seven categories that you can choose from. Some of them are like, take an adventurous date, like go kayaking or something like that. Some of them are, take a class together, like a cooking class. One of the things I looked at today, though, it said take a fitness class. Be careful with that invitation. <laughs> if you're not already working out together, I just kind of skip over that one. Okay. You get towards the bottom of it, <clears throat> and it says, go out to dinner, and if you click on restaurants, there's the top 10 suggested restaurants in Jacksonville. We have tried to make this so easy for you to plan a date. So here's what I'm going to give you permission to do. Preachers will never give you this, but I'm giving you permission. From here on, if you're not good at planning dates, I'm giving you permission. Quit paying attention to me until the very end of the service and just get out your smartphone, go to that website, click around. You can even click flowers and it'll take you to the flower place. So by tomorrow, you could have flowers at your house. You see what we did for you there? They've all been prayed for, anointed, baptized. They're full of the Holy Spirit. They're redeemed, and they will work for you. So get out your smartphone and go to the website. Now, if you go, well, Pastor, I have a flip phone. All right, do this. Open your flip phone, rip it in half, get a smartphone. It's 2014. What is wrong with you? Okay? 
For the sake of your marriage, people. Seriously. <clears throat> so plan some stuff. Plan some stuff. So that's what he does. So he's tender with her, but he's leading. And so he plans, and he's going to take her out, and he is pursuing her. He is pursuing her. Gentlemen, what your girl wants more than anything else is to be pursued. Is to be pursued. And that doesn't mean it stops at the day of your wedding, that you keep pursuing. Verse 11. Now, here's what he's pursuing her for. Verse 11. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom, and they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Now, what time of year is he describing? Springtime, like right now. Don't you love springtime, right? The days get longer, the days get warmer, uh, the grass starts growing, the the buds start blooming, white people change colors. It's like the best time of the year, you know? Sun shines out, it's awesome. So essentially what he's saying is our relationship is like the springtime. There's new life and there's growth and that's how he sees this relationship. That dating, like if you're a Christian, then dating is not just something to do to avoid boredom. It's the craziest thing in the world. We live in the most entertained generation in the history of humanity, and yet still people say there's nothing to do. Oh, my goodness. You see, what this man is going to do is he's going to create or cultivate this kind of environment where their relationship grows, where this relationship has moved from just casual dating to courtship. Now, we're not just dating kind of haphazardly, but we're actually going somewhere in this relationship. And so, listen, again, this isn't so much for students, but if you are, if you love Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, and you are like that marrying age, okay, you're out of school, you've got your degree, and you, and you have a job that's really important, then, then dating is no longer a sport, okay? We don't put up with serial daters at the Church of 1122. If that's you, keep it to yourself or go somewhere else, all right? But it's time to move towards courtship. And so you're not looking for a boyfriend. You're not looking for a girlfriend. You were looking to pursue a wife or be pursued by a husband. That means this relationship is going somewhere. It's springtime here. And also, if you're a Christian and you're dating on purpose, then your relationship should not stagnate. Your dating, sh- dating relationship should not stagnate. It shouldn't just get old and tired and boring. Guys, that is not the biblical standard for you. You're supposed to create this kind of environment where it's growing and growing and growing. And let me talk to the single men of the Church of 1122 for a second, all right? I gotta tell you, I'm gonna try to do this as, with as much love as I can muster up here because I get so frustrated with you. I get so frustrated. And I'm talking about our guys that are all in. I mean, you're here every week, and you serve, and you go on mission trips, and you sing with your hands up. Well, praise the Lord. But you're flirting with the emotions of our girls, and I don't want to hear about it anymore. It's time for you to buck up and man up, cowboy up, ask her out, and state your intentions. Declare, after about four or five dates, not four or five girls, but four or five dates, you should declare what you intend to do. Now, I'm not saying in four or five dates you got to know whether you're getting married or not, all right? But what I am saying is it shouldn't take you more than about six weeks to say, 
Hey, listen, I, I'm not saying we're getting married, but I would say this, that you are the kind of girl that any godly man would want to be with. And so I am going to create the kind of environment where this thing goes somewhere. And so, fellas, I'm telling you, it's time to declare your intentions. And if you don't know about your feelings, well, work them out on the Xbox and keep it to yourself, all right? But don't, <clears throat> don't flirt with the feelings of, or the emotions of our girls while you're figuring that out. And then if you get to the place where it begins to stagnate and you think, I don't think this is it, then hopefully you've honored her and treated her in such a respectful way that you guys can decide, okay, we're not dating anymore and you can still attend the same church. I mean, I think half of our growth is from those of you that got broken up with at Celebration and you had to come over here, right? <laughs> like, oh, we can't go to church anymore. You gotta work out what service do you go to. We can start a new service every weekend just for all the broken up people. So hopefully <clears throat> you're treating each other in such a way so honorably that if you've stated your intentions and then you realize, I don't think we're on the same page or we're not heading in the same direction, then you guys decide, okay, well, we're not gonna pursue courtship anymore. And then single women, let me just tell you this, a couple of things. One is, um, yes, the man should lead, but do not abdicate your responsibility for how you were treated. In other words, if, if the guy's not valuing you and pursuing you, first of all, let me tell you this, you are worth the pursuit you are, you are so valuable, you should be treated as valuable. If you feel like he's treating you right below the surfer port, then let him surf all he wants to and don't put up with it anymore, okay? Because you are a daughter of the Most High King. And no, just every little bozo doesn't get to take you out and be with you. And I know what some of you are thinking, because you're a woman, that means you're insecure. It's just part of being a daughter of Eve. And I don't care how good your life is, there's still some of that stirring in you. Listen, because you're thinking, well, if he gets away, then what will I do? Maybe I'll never get to go out again. I guarantee you this. It's better to be single and want to be married than married and want to be single. You hear that high-pitched amen? Yeah. <laughs> They've been there. That's some women praying, dear God, please send a meteor to just take this guy out. All right? <laughs> <clears throat> And so what I would say is, I mean, you really got to trust Jesus on this one. That you've really got to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You got to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because I know your own understanding is, no, I got to find a man. I got to find a man. Okay. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will straighten out your path. Now, let me tell you this. Now, please... Don't misquote me and on like the second date where the guy's trying to do his deal, right? He's cowboying up and he's taking you out. Don't, please, on the second date, don't, don't be going. Now, Pastor Joby said, you better declare your intentions. So where's, it? where's my ring? Where's my ring? Listen, don't, just relax, ladies. Calm down, mama, all right? I'm trying to help you and do my part, but just calm down a little bit. Because single men are like turtles, you know? You poke and prod and they will just, whoop, disappear. They're gone, all right? So, <clears throat> now married people, listen. If your relationship is stale, if your marriage is stale, if it's lost a little spice, husbands, it's because you are neglecting these verses. That God's ideal for you, God's intention for you, God's will for your life was not that you would get married and turn into a butler and a maid. And she does the cooking and the cleaning and you do the weed eating and you pass each other and you just kind of like roommates that are co-parenting. That was not God's design for you. God's design is that this thing would be like the springtime, just ever growing and ever maturing. And so, 
if your relationship, if your marriage is stale, it's because you've been neglecting your marriage. Listen, I've never met a married couple that have neglected each other and drifted into lifelong intimacy together. That they got there on purpose. Just like I've never met anybody that's neglected their lawn in the yard of the month. Wow, your yard looks amazing. What do you do? Oh, nothing. It just kind of turned out this way. No. I mean, we live in Florida, right? If you don't touch your yard every day, you could wake up the next day and be like, where'd all my grass go? It's just gone. I got to resod. That's how your relationship is. That it requires constant cultivation. And so, guys, the Bible says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Listen, I know you have it in you, husband, especially you've been married, let's say a decade or more. I know you have it in you, and I know you have it in you because you got her to go out with you to begin with. And, and if you attend here at the Church of 1122, 99.9% of us outpunted our coverage something fierce, all right? The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, and, that, and I am a public declaration of the truth of that. If you see my wife and you see me, you go, there must be a God. All right, so... <clears throat> And so early on, I knew, I know you had it in you, right? You got dressed up. You put on a shirt that did not have a team logo on it. You bathed. You, you, you shaved, you know. You, you, you didn't smell like two-cycle oil. You went. You picked her up. You took her out to places. And you tried to, you tried to woo her and pursue her. And if your relationship is stagnating, then it's on you. Now, in, a, in two weeks, three weeks, we're going to talk about the honeymoon. We're going to talk about how you take care of each other's physical, physical intimacy. But don't think you can just fast forward to that sermon and neglect today's sermon. That she wants to be pursued and you've got to continuously pursue her. So like this Friday night or this past Friday, <clears throat> I took Gretchen to the TPC. It was great. We got up in the morning. We went and worked out. And we spent, we had like a 12-hour date, an all-day date. And so we, we went and worked out, and then we went to the TPC, and, and uh, Rusty Pritchett, one of our elders, is a former chairman there, so he gives us these great, like, all-access passes, and we get to walk around with people. And I mean, I was in these rooms with people, and I, they would see me in there like, how did you get in here? I'm like, I know, right? So there we are, and we're kind of hoity-toity, and then just walking around. I think I saw two golf balls the whole time. And then we went from there, and we went home and got dressed and showered up, and then I took Gretchen to Three Forks and got a private room. And we took one of our pastor residents and his wife, because they could never afford that. And people used to have blessed us, and so we wanted to be a blessing to some other people. And we went there, and, and, and is it expensive? Oh, my goodness, it's expensive. But listen, guess what? She's worth every penny. She is worth every penny. Do you know how much money I've saved in counseling by buying steaks a couple times a month? Do you understand? <laughs> she is worth it. Because she just lights up when we get all dolled up. I mean, it's crazy. And I, I always do the valet. You know why? Because it just makes you feel awesome. I see where they're parking my truck. I'm like, I cannot believe I'm giving you $4 so I don't have to walk eight steps. That's the craziest thing in the world. But there's something about that guy comes over and opens her door. And, you know, and then when we go and we sit down and we order wine and swirl it around and all this stuff. You know, I take pictures of it. And she's in the bathroom, send it to my friends. Look what I'm doing. All right, why? Because I just want her to know that she is worth it. She is so valuable. She is worth being pursued. And then listen, in my marriage, the reason I'm, one of the reasons I'm doing this whole series is because I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I want you to have what I have. 
I'm the most blessed man on the planet. And it doesn't even start here at this church. It starts in my home. Gretchen and I have been married for 14 years. It's better now than it's ever, ever been. And it's never been bad. I mean, I just, honestly, I just, she's not even here. I can say whatever I want. I like her better than I like all of you. I really do. I would rather hang out with her than hang out with any of you. And I like you guys a ton. But we didn't get there by accident. You see, I've been on a path for 14 years. That actually started when we were dating. So about 16 years, I've been on a path that leads to where we have this beautiful family and this great ministry and this incredible marriage. And a big part of it, actually a big part of it, is because it's kind of out of fear. I've read too many articles and seen too many statistics on these preachers that have these great ministries and these great churches and these terrible marriages and they throw it all away. And so I decided early on, that is not going to be me. I am not going to sacrifice my marriage on the altar of a growing church. And so I do Ephesians 5, and I, love, I try to love my wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then I trust Jesus in Matthew 16, and he said he'll build the church. And so I've been laser focused on that for year after year. Now, I'm not perfect. Two weeks ago, I'm talking about punching the steering wheel, okay? I, I'm as big a sinner as anybody in the room. But we did not get to where we are on accident. And so for some of you, you kind of need to hit the reset button and start pursuing and creating the kind of environment where, where your relationship grows. Because listen, it's in that dating relationship where you love your wife or future wife. And I don't even like to use the term fall in love because falling in love sounds like an accident. And that's a, that, that is not a biblical view of love at all. Because we have this sort of, over-romanticized Hollywood view of love with this little chubby kid in a diaper and some wings that wouldn't help it fly and a longbow shoot you in the butt and then you just fall in love and be like, oh, I don't know what happened to me. It kind of it dovetails into this myth of the one. You hear people talk about this all the time. Well, I was just minding my own business and then I just accidentally fell in love and I woke up I'm like, oh, I got love all over me. Oh, I guess I'll love you and you must be the one. The problem with that is, is that after you've been married for a little while, you can kind of wipe some of that love feelings off of you and pull the arrow out of your butt. Then you realize, uh-oh, I might have to actually start loving you instead of just have these feelings. And so then you look around and you be like, oh, I know what I did. Here's the problem. I married the wrong one. So maybe you're not the one. Oops, I fell in love with this one over here. See, Cupid is not my God. Jesus is my Lord. And because he loves me, I can love Gretchen. But it's in the, it was in that dating environment where I realized I love her. And now I want to choose to love with word and action and deed. I want to love her. See, after we'd been going out for a little while, we met in the gym. I told you a few, last week, we met in the gym and uh, asked her for a spot. And then that led to some conversations. And then eventually we went out. I'll tell you about our first date in a minute. And then after we'd been out on a few dates, one day after the gym, we're standing in the parking lot talking. I'm starving to death, trying to act like I wasn't, but just talking to her. <clears throat> and we, at that point, we were just friends, all right? We were friends. But if she had another friend like me, I'd kill him. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> and then... Uh, and we met in Roanoke, Virginia, and it's a valley, and so there's mountains on either side. And on, on one of the mountains, they built this, like, three-story star made out of lights, all right? And I don't know what it's about, but there's this big star up there. And so I'd never been up there, but I was a youth pastor, so I knew all the teenagers would go up there and make out. And so one day, after the gym, I was kind of asking her about the star, and she's like, we should go up there sometime. I was like, well, why not right now? I, you know, I hear it's beautiful. We should go. 
So we get in the car, we go to the star. And so we go up the mountain, and it is beautiful. And we walk out, and it's like, uh, I think it's like late November, early December, so it's cold. And um, I had on a sweatshirt, and she got chilly, so I took off my sweatshirt and gave her, her, gave her my sweatshirt. Because men don't get cold, they get pneumonia, you know, so. <clears throat> so I gave her my sweatshirt, and, and there's like a little, um, kind of a, all these little balcony deck kind of things where you can overlook the city or, or the, the valley. And so there's plenty of room for, for me and her, but I, we just decided to kind of share the same little area, and I will kind of walk up behind her, put my arm around her, and we're standing there, and not really talking, but, you know, you can just, you know, a little Phil Collins songs playing in the back of my head, and um, this, uh, Phil Collins was a, a theologian of the 20th century. <clears throat> and the shooting star, just, just right there, out of nowhere, just, boo, shooting star right across the Sky, and I felt like the Lord was winking at me, and then I heard a little mute, a little uh, sound over to my right, and I looked, and these two deer just peacefully start just walking right on through. And you know what I thought? Oh, this would be a good place for a tree stand later on, and I'll go. <clears throat> then eventually she turned around, and I looked at her, and I, our eyes locked, and man, I felt like a tractor beam, and I heard the voice of turtle doves. That's what the Bible says. The voice of turtle dove is heard in our land. I heard the turtle dove. And then our heads did that little tilt. I went right, she went left, and you know what happened next? That's none of your business. But what I know <laughs> is it was those environments that I realized I love her. I love her. And so when you date, that's what you're doing. You are cultivating those kind of environments. Whether you're single and you're pursuing a spouse, or whether you're married and you're pursuing that continued intimacy. And singles, listen, this should be the most fun time you have. I mean, I was so obsessed and with Gretchen. I mean, I was, I was totally infatuated with her. I'd get up, think about her, call her all the time. It's a wonder I didn't get fired from my job. I, would, I was a youth pastor, and I'd be like, hey, I'm going to be out of the office working on my ministry. My ministry was trying to get married. That's what my ministry was. And I'd go pick her up from her job. We used all our sick days as soon as we could, and we would just spend so much time together and talk on the phone just all the time. I've talked to some guys that have, their, their dating life <clears throat> has gotten stagnated, and they act like that, that seeing the girl and dating the girl is, is tough. Oh, my goodness. There is a problem, Houston, all right? That, that, she might not be the one for you. And so also, um, and this is huge, if you're a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, I honestly, good luck, okay? Good luck. Just go online or something. I don't know what to tell you. But if, you're, if you love Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to the Lordship of, of Christ, I need you to see dating in a totally new way. That if you're a, a Christian, dating is an opportunity for you to serve one another, not for you to take. And our current dating culture is all about me. I need you to perform for me as if you're the star of The Bachelor or Bachelorette. And you're just going to run through all these people like, a, like, like draft picks and just run them through, nah, 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 maybe, okay, nah. No, th- that is so anti-gospel that, that if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, then dating is your opportunity to serve one another because the Bible, the preeminent text on marriage is Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's the preeminent text on marriage. That a good, godly marriage is one of mutual submission where each, where the husband and wife are trying to out-submit one another. They're trying to outdo one another in, in honor and in respect. And the great 20th century theologian and JV football coach, Coach Bull Lee, would always tell me that you play like you practice. 
And so if you fumble in practice, and you fumble in practice, and you fumble in practice, and if it's fourth and goal and we need the touchdown, you are not getting the ball because we think you're going to fumble. And so if you date in the way our current culture dates, where it's all about me, 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 take, 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 and you don't learn how to serve in your dating relationship, then you'll never be ready to be married. And so if you... If you're just on this dating cycle where it's all about you, let me tell you, you got a gospel problem. You don't understand. You, guys, you'll never know how to be a husband because the Bible says to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So not only did he die on the, die on the cross, that's the ultimate example of his love, but <clears throat> he also dressed himself as a servant and washed his disciples' feet and said, I have set for you an example that you would be blessed if you do also. And so if you're not serving her, then guess what? One day when you stand in the altar and make a promise, it's not going to automatically just be able to shift into husband gear. And so, ideally, dating creates this kind of environment where that relationship is progressing. Verse 14. Oh, my dove in the cleft of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. So not only is this... Is this relationship progressing? He pursues her and it's progressing. But the other thing that's so important is essentially what what Solomon is doing here is he's creating the kind of environment where they can actually get to know each other. Here's what he's saying. He's treating this relationship like you would treat a dove that's on the side of a cliff that's hiding up under a rock. That he's going to that and he's talking about her eyes and her face and her voice. And he is saying to her, Listen to this, girls. This is the kind of man you want. He is saying, it's safe to come out. It's, you take your time. It's at your own pace. Like, listen, fellas, you can't put a dove in a headlock. It will not survive, okay? You can't just force this thing into intimacy. And so <clears throat> he's creating the kind of environment where they can actually get to know each other and be themselves. And so he's saying, it is safe. This is a safe environment. When you're dating as a single, you know, or when you're dating as a married couple, then this is a big part and point of dating. It's so that you're creating these kind of environments where the real you can come out. So I did all kind of, all kind of dumb things when I was pursuing Gretchen and, and messed up a lot of things like I always do. But one of the things that I got right is on our very first actual date, all right? I was on a youth pastor's budget, and so I saved up for a while, took her to the nicest place I could afford, which was Chili's, all right? So I pick her up, and we go to Chili's. Now, and I still probably didn't have enough money for Chili's, so I ate a bowl of ravioli before we went, so I could just get an appetizer and be okay. If you're single, that's free, all right? Just pre-eat, and it's cheaper, all right? Got it? Good. And so, and she's gonna order a salad because she's insecure, so it'll be good. You can go for like $25. So we go to Chili's and we sit down. Now, at this point, we'd known each other in the gym for a few months. And so um, when we met, Gretchen had just come out of a seven-year relationship with this guy, poor fella. And I had just come out, with a, a, out of a four-year relationship with a girl. And so we, we were pretty open and honest about our frustrations with those relationships. And one of the things that, that I felt was that the girl that I'd been dating for like four years, she was almost awesome. She was close. And so she was pretty close, so I didn't really want to give up. But I, I just felt like if I could just tweak just these two or three major components of her, then she'd be right, right? And it was really frustrating. It was like training a puppy. Every time I took my eyes off of it, it tried to get away. And I'm like, no, 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 come out. You got to do this. And, and she had a very similar experience. 
And thankfully, by the grace of God, we understood, Gretchen and I understood, that marriage fixes nothing. Let me say that again. Marriage is a solution for nothing. Because there's a lot of people that think, man, we're struggling as a dating couple. Ooh, I know how to fix this. Let's get married. Oh, the married people said, no. (laughs) Because marriage fixes nothing. No, no, no. All it's going to do is expose everything. It'll make, the, it'll make the bad things worse. It makes the good things way better. But it doesn't fix anything. If you're struggling as a dating couple thinking that a marriage will fix it, that's like walking into the gym, putting 200 pounds on the bar, and saying, I got this, and then you get stuck. Somebody lifts it up off of you and says, I know what the problem is. It's not enough weight. I need 300 pounds. No, Scooter, you're too dumb to talk to. This is going to kill you, all right? And if your marriage is struggling, let me just promise you, a baby is not going to help either. All right? Lack of sleep will make you kill one another, right? It's not going to help. So we're in Chili's. We're sitting there. The waitress hasn't even come yet. And I say, okay, I've got an idea. We're both frustrated with our previous relationships because we couldn't just quite get them to do right, right, right. So what if we do this? Now, this is crazy. I can't believe she went out with me a second time. But I said this. I said, here's what what I want to propose. All right, we've known each other for a couple of months, and we have very little invested into this, if you would even call it a relationship yet, all right? I mean, by the end of the night, I'm going to be out 45 bucks. That's it. And so, what if, what if you never fake it, and I never fake it? What if you just be you? Like, don't try to date me, you know? Don't try to be the best version of you. Don't try to win me over. Just, just, be, just be ridiculously honest with me. So if I ask you out and you don't want to go, say no. And what if I just do that too? Okay, I love to hunt and fish and work out and play golf. I love to do all these things. And so if I'd rather do that, I'm just going to do those things. And if I ask you to go to this movie and you don't like the movie, then don't go. And, and you don't, don't feel like you have to order a salad. You know, your stomach's growling. I don't know why I was doing that. I'll just have a salad. I'm not hungry. Get ribs. If you want to eat ribs, just eat ribs. <laughs> and I said, and I think in 14 days, we'll be able to know if we really dig each other. But not like the fake e-harmony us, like the real us, you know, not the... Not the resume that you typically put out there when you're dating. And in 14 days, I think we'll know if we really dig each other or not. And if we don't, so what? I'm out 40 bucks, and it'll be a little bit awkward in the gym. But you don't know this, but um, the time that you see me in the gym, that's not even my regular time anyway. I've been stalking you for a couple months, so I'll just switch switch back to my normal time. We'll never see each other. It'd be great. So that's what we have on the line. But, and and I'm telling her this, I say... But imagine this, but if the real you, I mean, if the real you, if the real you digs the real me and vice versa, we'll never have to fake it. We'll never have to fake it. And I think that put us on a trajectory that leads to where we are right now today, 14 years late, about 16 years from that date. And I love the real her. So early on, this was totally ridiculous, all right? I don't even know if you should do this or not. We confessed our sins to one another, like our dating sins and our past relationships. And I talked about all the promises I had broken and what a liar I was and how selfish I was. I just laid the, I mean, just the true version of me out on the table because I didn't want to try to do the bait and switch later. And then, and then she actually went out with me again. And the crazy thing is, is that the real her and the real me love each other. And I feel like, I'm more free with her than any other person in my world. I feel like I never have to fake it. 
And so now, for, being married for 14 years, we still, when we get together, <clears throat> I still like to have these kinds of, of conversations. I mean, I ask open-ended questions. Hey, if you could do anything, what would you do? If you won the lottery, what would you spend it on? She goes, well, first we've got to start playing the lottery. I'm like, okay, but if we did, we won $600 million, what would you do with it? If you could do anything in the world, what would you What makes you come alive? Do you have any dreams? What are you afraid of? I mean, we have those kinds of conversations. In fact, if you're one of the 60 people that went on the Jamaica Couples Mission Trip, you know where that idea came from? It came from one of these kind of dates where I was just saying, hey, has God given you any great ideas for his kingdom lately? And in one of those conversations, she said, you know what? I think, what if we did this couple's mission trip? You know, I mean, we, we went on our honeymoon to Jamaica. We've done mission trips to Jamaica. It's meant so much for our marriage. What if we did that? So if you were blessed by that mission trip, it's because it was, it was an, uh, in an environment where I'm saying to her, oh, my dove in the clefts of the rock and the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. Girls, isn't that the kind of guy you're looking for? Because one of the things, one of the things that I'll hear often is uh, especially single girls, you know, come up and be like, oh, I met a guy. I'm like, awesome, tell me about him. Oh, I love him so much. Oh, that's great. What do you love about him? Oh, I love the way he make me, makes me feel. No, 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 that's what you love about you. You love you. What do you love about him? Oh, we have a song. Oh, Lord, okay, awesome. <clears throat> you need to be in the kind of environments where the two of you actually get to know each other. And when you do... And when the real you, because here's the thing, right? Nobody's perfect. Nobody's move-in ready. Everybody's a fixer-upper, right? And when you put two sinners together, not totally sanctified sinners together, there are going to be problems. And that's why you get to the next verse. The next verse, <coughs> when they're this open and honest, says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. The dating is not a time to avoid conflict. Dating is not a time to avoid conflict. In fact, dating is the time where you practice solving problems together. And if you're dating somebody and you haven't had a good fight and you come to me for premarital counseling because you want to get married, I'm going to ask you, tell me about a good fight that you guys have walked through. And if you go, oh, we don't fight, then I will pick one for you. <laughs> because what they understand is that it's not me against you, it's us against the fox. And so in a few weeks, like four weeks, we're going to spend the entire week talking about how to fight. In the Song of Solomon, there's one chapter on the honeymoon, there's two chapters on fighting. And all the married people said, oh, the Lord does know what he's talking about, okay? That's just kind of how it goes. <clears throat> so we're going to unpack that later. Verse 16, my beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. What's happening in their dating relationship is they're moving towards oneness, that I am giving all of myself to her and she is giving all of my, herself to me. It's no longer going to be me and you. It's going to be us. That, that God takes two and he makes one. That's his economy of marriage. And that begins, that begins while they are pursuing and dating one another. And then she says he grazes among the lilies. Have you ever seen a shepherd in, her, in a hurry? No. What he does is he gets his sheep in the right environment and then he just lets them mature and grow and, and be nourished. And that's what your dating relationship is supposed to be like. You don't have to be in a big hurry, but you just continuously cultivate that kind of relationship where it grows. And if you do these things, then verse 17 will begin to happen. 
Married people, I'll tell you, amen. And not married yet people, I'll say, hold up. You've got to be here next week. Verse 17, she says, until the day breeze and the shadows flee, turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the cleft mountains. The ESV translate cleft mountains. It's literally the mountains of Bether. The word Bether means separation or twins. If you look through the uh, uh, geography of Israel, there are no mountains called Bether. So what she is saying is... Come and be like a young stag on the twin mountains. What does that mean? It means exactly what you think it means, fellas, all right? Can I get an amen? Amen, all right, praise the Lord. Now, if you are dating this way, now if you're dating this way and you're married, praise God, all right? We're gonna talk about that in a few weeks. If you're dating this way and you're single and you do the things here, you pursue and you create this kind of environment where the relationship's cultivated, you're gonna wanna make out more than you can even imagine and praise the Lord. The Lord never steps in here and says those are bad feelings. Next week, we're going to talk about not where's the line, but when's the time. So next week, we're going to talk about how do you flee sexual immorality? How do you flee sexual immorality? And if you're dating somebody and you say, oh, no, I don't really want to make out at all, then you're not spiritual. Something's broken, Hoss, all right? Something's wrong with you, okay? But they put the brakes on. Now, here's the point. The point is this. That our world's way of dating, and when I say our world, I mean like our current, you know, Jacksonville culture. Our world's way of dating is hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. It's a recipe for divorce. It is a recipe for divorce. It is a death spiral of selfishness. It's I'm going to take what I want, I'm going to move in without commitment, and then when I don't get what I want, I'm going to break up, and then I'm going to push repeat. And if you do hook up, Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. And then one day you go promise till death do us part. And all you've done is train yourself in this cycle. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Then you, I'm telling you, you are training yourself to get divorced. Because when you actually have to love, and when I mean love, I mean do something for someone else and die to yourself for the sake of the person that you promised you would for better or worse then you're just going to want to hit reset and hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. But God's way is totally different. God's way is to pursue and then progress the relationship and then be a man, get on a knee, and propose, period, till death do us part. And then you continuously pursue like Christ pursues us. You continuously progress the relationship that it grows deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more intimate. And then you fulfill the promises that you made at your proposal, period, till death do us part. One of the things Christians love to talk about is this. Let's let's take Jacksonville for Christ, or let's take Florida for Christ, or how do we take our country back for God? You know what Jesus said about taking over the world? He said that they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. You want to change the world? Listen, 1122, this is how we could change our city. If it just started with the Christian husbands and wives loving one another like Christ loved us, and if it started with the Christian singles that began to date in a God-honoring way, I promise you it it would revolutionize the culture of Jacksonville. 
People that don't even believe what we believe would begin to have ears to hear because every dad in Jacksonville, regardless if he was an atheist or whatever, he would be praying. He, well, I don't know if he'd be praying or not, but he'd be kind of praying. I hope my daughter marries one of them. I don't really believe what he believes. It's kind of weird. I went to his church and he was crying, had his hands in the air. It seemed kind of cultish. But I hope my daughter marries one of him because, because man, he just serves her and serves her and serves her. The people at the Bricks and the Ritz and the Lemon Bar and Pete's Bar, they'd all be looking for Christians. They'd be like, that's a little bit of a bummer. They won't sleep with you. But man, they're good to you on the way there before they break up with you. (laughs) It would change everything if we got out of the circle of hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. And instead, we started to pursue and to progress and to propose, period, till death do us part. Can I tell you, um, I just want to close by sharing with you one of my heroes in the faith. One of my heroes in the faith. Part of of the way you can tell um, what's most important to you is who are your heroes. And so some of you might ask, oh, is he a church planner? No. Um, He built a church once, but he's never planted one. Is he a theologian? I bet he's never even read a theology book. Is he a good preacher? I've never heard him preach one sermon. In fact, he's not a preacher at all, but he's he's a really good husband. And he's a guy named Scott Putnam that goes to our church. He comes here on, comes to 722 on Thursday night. And I've been on a couple of mission trips with him and I hunt with him all the time. And when I think about what I want to be like when I grow up, I want to be like him because he's been married to his wife, Tina, for 29 years. And I'm telling you, he's a tough dude. He really is. He's a tough dude. If you were here about a year ago when I shared a story about one of our elders that got stuck in the mud duck hunting, you know, we got one elders built like a railroad spike, so he got in the marsh duck hunting and went to the bottom and kind of got stuck. And I told you about the little pit bull spider monkey man that came to rescue him. Scott Putnell's one of those. You know, he's just kind of, he's not real tall, but he's tough. But he loves his wife, and his wife loves him. And their adult children want to hang out with them. When I meet adult children that want to hang out with their parents, I I just lean in because that's what I want. I want my adult kids to want to hang out with me one day. And so I told him a few weeks ago, I said, Scott, in a few weeks we're going to talk about dating and I'm going to talk about you because I think you're the ideal. And then Scott began to kind of feel a little guilty because he says they don't go out on a lot of dates. But he sent me this text. And I did not ask for permission, but I'm the pastor. I do what I want. So if you text me something, it's game, okay? If it works. All right. So here's what he says. He says, I feel really guilty that you want to mention me when you talk about dating. I'm the world's worst at taking Tina out on a date. But I do try to make her feel like she is the most important person in my life. Because she is. I try to do the little things like open the doors for her. I send her a text every morning just to say I love you. I never leave the house without kissing her goodbye. I tell her I love her often and I try to compliment her a lot. I try to keep doing the things I did when we were dating, and I think that's why we've been together for 29 wonderful years. But with all the things I do for her, she does them for me tenfold. Amen? Isn't that the kind of marriage that you want? You see, Scott Pudnell couldn't even really describe the path principle, I don't think. But what he did was when they started dating, he pursued, and then the relationship progressed, and then he proposed, and then he put a period there and said, I'm just going to keep doing that with her till death do us part. I want for you what Scott Putnell has, and I want for you what I have, that you would pursue, 
that you would progress in your relationship. That would never, ever stop. I look forward to the day when Gretchen and I are sharing teeth on the front porch, okay? I want to be that weird old couple. That's what I want. Right? Put her up on top of my walker. Walk around wherever she wants to go, all right? That is my goal. What about you? Look, if that's not your goal, if you just want to be a serial dater, I ask, maybe you'll take this message and put it away. And when you grow up, you know, Paul says, when I was a child, I acted like a child, but now I'm a man, so I put childish ways behind me. So when you're ready to put childish ways behind you, maybe you'll cowboy up and be the man that God has called you to be. But for those of you that are ready, that we would pursue, keep pursuing, that we would create the kind of environments where we can, where, where our relationships are cultivated, that we follow through on the promises that we made when we propose. Period. Till death do us part. Amen? Would you please stand and pray with me? Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we can love one another because you first loved us. Lord, I pray for any person in this room that thinks that they're going to walk out of here and just do better. God, I pray that they would lean into you, that they would preach the gospel to themselves over and over and over, and knowing that through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in them, that all things are possible, so that marriages would be restored, that... um that stagnating relationships would be made anew. God, that there would be some dating relationships that are not honoring to you that today would end. And God, there would be um, some, some guys that have been a little, a little scared to ask. And God, you would just nudge them to ask and to pursue. And God, I pray, um, Lord, I know our church is known for a whole lot of things. God, I pray above all else that our church is known for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, one of the manifestations of that, I pray, that this might be a place, that this might be a place where husbands love and serve their wives and where wives love and respect their husbands and where singles date in a way that has a purpose. And that purpose is for your glory and for their joy. And Holy Spirit, I know that in a room this size that people come from all kinds of different backgrounds And some of the most painful things in their heart and lives have been in and around relationships. So Holy Spirit, would you do a work in those that have been um, abandoned and abused? God, that those that have been mistreated, those that are in relationships and it's not a safe place to be who they are. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be a comforter. And God, may we be able to say like the psalmist says, come let us exalt the Lord together. Let us praise his holy name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we, we respond to the gospel every week. And let me just tell you, this is the most important part. This is the most important part. I feel like my job through the power of the Holy Spirit is just to stir up in you whatever God wants to do in you. Don't be in a hurry to rush out if the Lord is working on you. If you're a regular here, you bring your tithes and offerings to the giving boxes around the side or the giving kiosk in the back or in any of the hallways. We all join our voices together to sing to him in response to who he is and what he's done. And many, many, many of you need to come to the altar in response and cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Let us respond.